Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. Super grateful that you tuned in today. And I am very grateful for our guest and excited to introduce and, and let you get to know Andy Wood. Andy is a pastor. He is a coach. And most recently, he is an author. He's got a brand new book coming out. Can't wait to hear more about it and about Andy. So with that, Andy, if you would, give us some background. Tell our listeners everything they should know about you. Well, thank you, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity with you today and to say hi to your guests, or, or excuse me, to your listeners. I'm the guest. And uh, uh, so I, um, yeah, very, very grateful for 32 years of, of some sort of pastoral ministry, church ministry, and then I've been a teacher, a professor for uh, about 15 years, and then started a coaching practice in 2007, uh, 17, sorry, um, brain dead, and uh, so uh, grew up on the Gulf Coast in uh, Mobile, Alabama, and uh, in 2014 moved back there after about 18 years in Lubbock, Texas, and uh so I, um, uh, I've, I've been an executive leadership coach where I work with pastors, work with um, business owners who are in performance-based kind of work, uh, entrepreneurs, people like that who um, are looking to uh, bring their faith into the marketplace, but also bring the marketplace into their faith in the sense of uh, learning how to succeed, how to prosper, and how to grow. Uh, in a an ever changing world. That's fantastic. Um, how? What led the transition uh, from from pastor to coach? Well, uh, back in 2010, I pivoted into academics, and uh, I was uh, I'd been doing some kind of adjunct work and things like that, and. Uh, my degrees in leadership, and so what I began to do was was teach in a master's in leadership program there in West Texas, and I began also working as an adjunct with schools all over the country, and I, I became what's known as an adjunctpreneur, which basically means, hey, you know what, if if I can teach you know two or three courses for this school, and sitting in the exact same spot because you're doing it all online, I can teach two or three courses for a different school. I wonder how many schools I could teach for, because the more you could teach for, the more money you make. So I I kind of developed a system. Sure. Uh and and so we I, I got to a point where um 
I, I was working for nine different universities, all pretty much at the same time, uh, all sitting in my house and uh, all teaching courses somewhere around either uh, biblical theology or leadership of some facet. And uh, so began uh, to transition into, it, it got kind of insane because I didn't know how to throw the brakes on. And uh, it, it actually started affecting my stress level and my health, believe it or not. And so um, after we had moved to Alabama, I was still doing the same thing. And um, I went through a little health crisis and that sort of got my attention. And the doctor comes in the hospital room one day and says, uh, do you, have you been under any stress lately? And I was like, well, no. <laughs> my wife is sitting there going, well, yeah, you have. And so uh, <laughs> anyway, that, that began me reevaluating where I was in my career uh, and where I was in what I wanted to be doing, what, what I was really passionate about. And the thought occurred to me, you know, there's got to be a better way of impacting a future generation of leaders than sitting there grading their papers. And as grateful as I am for academics, and I still do some of that, uh, man, I wanted to be out there on the edge. I wanted to be out there where, where people are actually impacting other people's lives. And so uh, that began the, the transition for me into getting some new training. And in 2017, I started coaching. Well, at that time, I was 58 years old. And, and I, I decided, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm, I've got to be all in or forget it. Uh, I get one chance to do this right. And, you know, again, I guess because I've got this achiever kind of mentality, uh, I was like, I was told, okay, if, we're, if you're going to build a coaching practice, it takes three to five years to kind of make that happen. And I'm thinking, I don't have three to five years. I, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it. And I want to do it in a year. <laughs> I want to develop a sustainable coaching practice in 365 days. And I kind of did a, a challenge. I, I did a throwdown challenge to myself. I reached out for some help, got some training for some, some key people. And uh, long story short, we got there. Now it, it wasn't every single goal I, I committed to. Did we see happen in a year, but it, it started a marvelous transition process for me to where now I get to have a front row seat to watching people create lives of abundance, impact, and freedom in their professional lives and their personal lives in um, uh, their spiritual lives in every dimension of their life. And, and man, I'm having a blast. The time of my life being able to watch how people are growing into the persons that they are created and put on this planet to be. That is phenomenal. Um, and there are several key things I'd, we could unpack on that. Your degrees in leadership. So just a real quick kind of side note, and I apologize. I'm a squirrel chaser. So uh, if a squirrel runs across the track of this conversation, I'm, I'm going to try and try and go run for it, it down. But uh, you mentioned having a degree in leadership. Yes. And and, um, and I'm a, I'm a leadership coach, and 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 um, but but I hear I keep hearing this thing that there's this leadership void in our culture, a leadership void mm -hmm. in the marketplace. Um, have you heard, have you heard anything like that? And what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Why is it so, and how do we redirect it? That's a, that's a great question. Um, there's a leadership void because humans are involved 
And as long as humans are running uh, the asylum, as long as the inmates are running the asylum, which is planet Earth, uh, then there's going to be a crying need for leadership. As long as the world is broken, there's going to be a desperate need for leadership. As long as people fail, as long as there are crises in the world, and all you got to do is read your paper today, there's crises in the world. Then there's the, that that leads to a clarion call for leadership. It also leads to a lot of cynicism, like where are the leaders? What happened to the leadership? Well, you know what? Every problem is a new opportunity for new kinds of leadership to step forward. And the reason why, as long as we occupy the oxygen on the planet, there's going to be a desperate need for leadership is because new situations change the rules. You know, I'm a big fan of history. I majored in history in college and you know, when, when World War I happened, there was a complete different technology in warfare. It was horrible, and, and it called for a new kind of leadership. Out of World War I emerged two primary characters, uh, Adolf Hitler and Winston Churchill, both of whom had unique experiences in the First World War that led to a collision in the Second World War. And I'm always fascinated by the fact that that at the end of the Second World War, when, when Churchill had successfully inspired the British people to fend off the, the uh, German invasions, attract the United States into the war and get, get their help, uh, oversee D-Day and all the things that were going on, before the war was even over, the people in Britain said, we need new leadership, and summarily kicked him out of office. It fascinates me. And so... Why? Because the landscape had changed, because there were things in, in Britain that were having to do with their economy and some other things going on that Churchill didn't pay attention to. He was a wartime prime minister. And so different situations call for different kinds of leadership. And if you are a leader, you either need to be able to adapt and pivot and, and address those issues or, or brace for the day when somebody says, yeah, we need a change because it's going to happen. Yeah. So what comes to mind is it's this it's not new. This it's 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 always been this way to some to some degree. We may be just like so many other things, we just hear about it a lot more because we're able to have it fed to us constantly. Absolutely. And the other thing too, yeah. And if you're and if you're a sports fan, uh you know, uh you can see it in the sports world that the, the theme of the, uh, for, for people and coaches or management is what have you done for us lately? You know, Bill Belichick is kind of a hero. I'm a big fan of Nick Saban. He's a hero. But if they started losing, like badly losing consistently over the next year or two, there would be people that would look and say, we just need a change in leadership. What we need here is more leadership. Well, maybe. Uh, or, or maybe that's not a problem. But tends to be the knee-jerk reaction to people when they aren't getting the results that they want. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, it's funny. So when they're not getting the results they want, because I was just happened to be listening to a Jim Rohn um, talk earlier today. I'd never, I've never really listened to Jim Rohn, uh, but it, for whatever reason, it, it was playing. And, and he talks about how when we're not getting the results we want, we tend to want to do that, right? We need better leadership or a better boss or better manager. And mm -hmm. how often we really just need to look in the mirror. <laughs> That's exactly right. And leadership starts here, which brings me. Uh, so, so with that, I'm going to go back to your health issues. So, you, 
because it it struck a chord that you're um what did you call it? entre education entre, um, so you're doing the entre entre education yeah i think or edu doesn't matter yeah uh, entrepreneur uh, I, I love that that term uh, but it it led to it led to a crisis and suddenly you're at the doctor and he's saying any stress and and to you at that point you're like well no it's just business as usual so to speak mm-hmm. um uh, so again there didn't seem to even be that awareness until your wife said um actually i think there is stress um and then after that you were talking about um you stopped and really thought about okay if i'm going to do what? What do I really? You know, what do I want this to look like? I think that's what you said. So, was this crisis that caused um, some reflection and some kind of vision nearing time? Did I catch that right? Absolutely, yes. Or did I? Or did I pick up on that wrong? No, okay. that's absolutely right. So, what? So, what is it about us that keeps us from doing that visioneering work um, before we hit the crisis point? Um, one of the things that is necessary to do the visionary work is to be able to practice what one person calls triple T work, which is time to think where you clear off the schedule, you turn off the notifications on your phone or better still get away from it get away from the computer and emails and all that. And you take the time just to dream. You take the time to imagine. You take the time to let your soul catch up with you a little bit and to think. And if as long as we're running on the, the next shiny object, the next squeaky wheel, the next distraction, the next Facebook or some other social media post, uh, as long as we continue to live in that arena, then we never have the time to stop and do the visionary work that we need to do. There's an old saying in recovery that says that people don't get sober because they see the light. They get sober because they feel the heat. And I can relate to that. I I had a feel the heat moment sitting there in a hospital room asking, how did I get here? And um, that's, Unfortunately, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make people stop and examine their ways. Um, Otherwise, we assume no news is good news, and we just keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of back to the old adage that the, the pain of staying the same has to be greater than the pain of changing. That's right. More or less. That's exactly right. Hmm. So I'm processing all that just because just thinking of you know, myself included, I've I've tried um, to to create discipline to just take like 20 minutes a day. I call it to just exactly what you're saying, thinking time, mm-hmm. like just to get by myself in a room outside someplace, and I, I get a little bit of success for a few days, and then and then the next thing happens, you know, when I have a quote unquote busy day, and I hate busy days because they're never productive, right. uh, but I, I keep letting them happen. Um, so how what's your methodology? Uh, if, if you have this built into your schedule, your, your triple T time, 
or your mm-hmm. triple T, what's your methodology for making sure it happens? What would you tell our listeners or, or what tools would you give them? There are two. Um, one I do every single day. The other uh, is what I re- encourage my clients to do, but I haven't caught up with them yet. Uh, so let me tell you first what I do every single day. Um, back um, in, gosh, it was 11 years ago now, I was introduced to a book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way. And The Artist's Way is is a book for creative people to, well, learn to be more creative. And uh, one of the things she recommends that really makes her made her famous to this day, you can look her up on YouTube where she's talking about it, or you can find it and find it on find the book on Amazon, is a practice she calls morning pages. Now the way she recommends doing it is sitting down with a journal legal pad or something and a pen and simply writing, start writing. And what you're writing is whatever's going on in your mind, whatever your mind is thinking about, however random it is. If you see something that distracts you, you write about what distracts you. If you, if you're worried about something, if you feel some certain ways, whatever, whatever happens to be going through your mind, you just document it and you do that for three pages and then you stop. And the first time you do that is, seems kind of random, but over a period of time, you develop a rhythm and a habit for doing that. So I started doing that by hand. And then I made the shift because I am a keyboard guy and I, you know, I don't know why I just prefer a keyboard. And so I now set a timer. I've been doing this now for 11 years, every single day. First thing I do after I make the coffee is I sit down, I start the timer at 15 minutes, just start typing. And so, and, and I just let the ideas flow. Now, every once in a while, I'll, I'll give myself a prompt um, uh, or, or something like that. But, but I just, uh, the first order of my day is to get whatever is in my head. It could be whatever song is on my mind. It could be whatever I had, whatever I accomplished yesterday or didn't. Um, and just, just stuff that kind of you get out of your head so that you can focus on other things. But a lot of it becomes some wonderfully creative ideas, solutions to problems, new new ideas, new vision of, of things, and uh, uh, or processing painful or, or difficult things that I'm going through. It just becomes a way. It's more than a diary. It's more than just a journal. It is a. Uh, it's just a tool for me to become more self aware of what's going on in my head. The other method, and this is what I encourage people to do. Uh, especially busy executive types, leader types uh, who, who are constantly being bombarded, their attention's being demanded, is close the laptop, set the phone down on top of it, get a legal pad and walk away, go somewhere, go to uh, another office somewhere that doesn't have a computer in it or a phone in it. That, and for uninterrupted time, sit down for about an hour and just think. And write down what you're thinking about. Now, not necessarily like the the morning pages where you're, you're you're tracking every single thought, but think about solutions to organizational problems. Think about issues you're dealing with. Think about your dreams and your vision. What do you want to accomplish? How is it going to? Uh, how are you going to get there? And just creating space in your life to slow your brain down and use it to focus. On one simple thing. And that sounds so old school, 
you know, to get away from your devices and, uh, and vices and, uh, and, and to get away with, or get away from, from, you know, the phone and all those other things. But what it does is it, it, it accesses a different part of your brain and it, it accesses a creative problem solving part, or it accesses a visionary part of your brain that under normal circumstances, when you're in fight or flight mode, you're in a completely different space. And, and so, and, and so you're constantly playing defense or, or playing reactionary uh, leadership or life rather than being proactive and thinking in ahead. It's the difference between being uh, a consumer of your energy and time and being an investor of your energy and time. I need to record that. Uh, <laughs> we are recording it. The difference between being a consumer yes. of your energy and time and being an investor yeah. of your energy and time. Yeah. That, that was, I love that. Well, um, and you mentioned, you mentioned author. Uh, that's actually, so what the book, that's what the is, book is about. Well, and that's where I was going to go next. Like, was it during, was it during your morning, morning pages when the book idea uh, came to be or, or how, how did we, how did I end up talking to an author uh, in addition to a coach and pastor? What was that journey back? Okay. <laughs> There's a funny story here. Um, years ago, while I was still pastoring, uh, I got a call from my son who was a freshman in college at the time. He said, Dad, I want to run an idea by you. Uh, I'm working on a paper for my English class. And uh, we have to come up with a new idea. And so I've come up with this new idea called life vesting, and where you take principles of investing and you apply it to all the different areas of your life. And uh, I had done some financial planning, investing kind of stuff in the past a little bit. And so it sounded like a fascinating topic. So he and I talked about it. We explored it. We, we, I looked at different angles, you know, where, you know, where you can take these ideas and not just apply them to your finances, but you can apply them to your health or your energy, your relationships, whatever. Um, and, uh, or your time. And uh, so I'm very proud, very proud of the fact that we, got an A on our paper. And then, uh, but then I shamelessly stole his idea <laughs> and fast forward a couple of years later, we, we actually, I threw this, what's now the book, I threw it together for a 40 day spiritual life kind of campaign that we did in our church. It was very successful, but I knew then the book was bad. It needed badly to be rewritten. So, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that and didn't do that. And so I, I basically became a consumer in my own life after teaching people not to do this. And so, uh, but fast forward. So a couple of years ago, I said, all right, it's time. I've got to do this. When I started coaching, I said, it's definitely time to put the book back on, on the front burner. And so I did and uh, completely rewrote it. Uh, and now it's in the process. It's at the publisher uh, we got pre-publication copies coming, and we have uh, official an official release date uh, digital in October, and uh, on the bookshelves in the bookstores in January. So very excited about that. That's fantastic! Con congratulations on that accomplishment. That Thank is you. huge. Thank you. We're, we're, we're very excited about it. So I can't I can't wait to read it. As as you talked about life fasting, it takes me back to. Um, when I when I was a gym um, owner mm -hmm. and talking to people about their health and how mm -hmm. you know the choices we make every day 
We're either, we're either withdrawing or, or we're, or we're investing in our health and, um, and health just is a, is a big one for me, but the idea being that, um, sooner or later that, that, that price is going to have to be paid. Um, and exactly so right. you either invest a little bit of time now and a little bit of effort now mm-hmm. so that you get some, some longevity and, and a really, you know, the other thing I say is not necessarily the length of time you're here on earth, but definitely the quality of the, of the time spent here mm-hmm. in mobility and just ability, cognitive function, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and then as you're talking, it, you know, so, so health is one thing. If you don't invest now, sooner or later, you're going right. to pay. Um, there's, there's, that's just the trade-off. But then also thinking about you know whether whether it's your relationship with your spouse mm-hmm. or your or your career. I mean, pretty much th- that term life vesting, mm-hmm. uh, it plugs into everything, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, let me take you back to the hospital room for a minute. Okay. So one of the things I realized uh, then was okay. There I am. You know they. They put me on the stroke floor. There was a concern I'd had a stroke. That did not happen, but there was the concern that I had. And so, and I'd never spent a night in the hospital. Uh, and so it freaked my kids out, you know, freaked out. You know, everybody was all concerned, understandably. And so, and meanwhile, I'm feeling fine. I had a little episode. Now I'm fine. And they're running all these tests. And that's why I was in the hospital. And so, but different people began to reach out. And these were people I had invested my life in them earlier. My pastor, for example, came by to see me. And by the way, said, don't forget life vesting. You've talked about it. It's time for you to do it. He was returning back to me what I had invested in him. My son, the same son that created the idea, calls me. Dad, do you have a day off? Do you ever take time just to rest? Well, he's a pastor now and he's preaching to me, you know, and so I'm, but you, but you know what? It's a return of the investment from where I am and uh, what I've invested in. They're now repaying to me. Uh, even something as simple as, you know what? I invested in health insurance. And because of that, I was able to, um, I, I was able to receive the benefit of that. Uh, because I paid for it at a time when I quote didn't need it, so that when I did need it, it was there. So that's that's the kind of the the, the gist of how life vesting works. It, it basically comes down to this: there's four and only four things you can spend your time or your money on: yesterday, today, tomorrow, and eternity. That's it. Now you can have a hundred line items in your budget, but at the end of the day, all that matters is yesterday. That's your debts, the things that you. Uh, committed to that obligations that you're now having to pay back today. That's your consumer stuff. What what you churn or what you put out today, tomorrow, which is choices you make today that can serve you in the future, and eternity. That's what you give away. Those are the only four things you can ever spend your energy on, your relationships on, your money on, any asset in your life. The whole idea of life vesting is stop being a consumer so much. I mean, we are going to do that a little bit, but, but stop living your whole life as a debtor and a consumer and instead pivot your life to make choices today that can serve you in the future. And uh, then what the book is, is kind of a biblical guide to help people figure out their own lives. I, I say, I'm not asking people to read my book. I'm asking people to let my book read them. And, and so out of it can grow your own personalized application. It's like coaching in a book. 
And so out of it, you can have your own personalized application for um, uh, what this these principles can mean to you and your life and your relationships. It sounds like it's going to be a phenomenal resource. I'm excited about it. Uh, and I, I love the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the four things you can only, you can only invest in those four things. That's, that's another new expression for me. I'd never heard that yesterday, today, tomorrow, and eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I think it ties to the, the book probably, um, you know, help, helping people stop being such consumers, um, kind of helping them grow. Uh, it's biblically based. You also mentioned um, faith in the marketplace. And I don't remember if we were already talking on the recording or if that was as we were um, just chatting ahead of time. Um, just, and I don't even know where to begin with that. I'm Myself, um, I, I mean, the marketplace is my ministry. And it took me a lot of years to figure that out. It took me you know, a, a 15 years of doing business and this tension that I was just trading time for money with no real greater reason for it. And then um, got involved with CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Connection, and then light started to come on. It's like, oh, actually, um, I'm, I've been called to be a businessman so that I can so that I can serve here. How does what you do um, affect faith in the marketplace? How are you encouraging business owners? Uh, are you, I guess, any thoughts around that whole subject? Sure. Um, <clears throat> when you recognize that there's more, and I probably would say this as a leadership scholar and researcher, even if I wasn't a Christian, uh, but the fact that I am a Christian just affirms the fact that there's more to being in business than making money. Now, you can't stay in business without making a profit, okay? So there's nothing dirty about a profit motive, but there's much more. And and we're, by the way, living in a world today that expects more from people in business other than earning a profit. Um, you know, there is this thing called the the good organization or corporate social responsibility. And uh, if, if, if the general public doesn't see that somehow your business is contributing back somehow to community life, uh, it makes it that much more difficult for you to stay in business. So there's, there's just this general expectation from the public. What, what are you doing other than providing goods that we pay for our services that we pay for? What are you doing to make your community a better place to live and uh, or to serve the people in the community? What are you doing to give back? And so there's kind of that expectation anyway. When you layer on top of that, the fact that people who are Christians and Christian business owners believe that they have a truth, that they have a, they have good news that's worth sharing whomever, here's the fantastic opportunity we have. We get the opportunity to share that with people that your pastor may never get to touch because those people know what his job is and they aren't going anywhere near him. Mm -hmm. But as business owners, we have the opportunity to impact employees, to impact um, our customers or our clients. We have the impact, we have the opportunity uh, to to connect with them on a level that can be enriching, that can be transformative, can be life-changing, 
could a pastor or preacher somewhere do that? Absolutely. But they won't let him because they know that's his job. But for a person in the business community who's who are people of integrity, people of kindness and love, uh, and they show that kindness, love, and integrity to the people who work for them or the people who come in, in, in and out of their stores or their, their gyms or their uh, professional businesses, whatever that is, uh, it, it's, it's like the impact of someone volunteering to share their faith or, or their kindness where it's not owed to someone. And that makes an impact, man. That makes a powerful impact on people's lives. So it's a tremendous opportunity. If those of you who are listeners are, are if you are a business owner uh, or in leadership or management in someone else's business, you have the opportunity to impact far more than just the bottom line of your business uh, or even to create happy customers. You have the opportunity to impact lives, and you get to do it on a daily basis. Every time you come into contact with somebody, you may be the only voice of kindness and love that person hears that day. And after a while, they're going to want to know why. What is it that makes you different? Why, why are you not like the, the, the store owner, the business owner across the street who's kind of a jerk uh, or whose only concern seems to be about money? Why are you not – why are you as a salesperson – what is it about you that's different? They're going to want to know that uh, if you treat differently than they're used to being treated in a positive way, of course. Yeah, and the the ripple effects are are infinite. You, know, you think about the business owner who um, who takes the time to to do that act of kindness for one of his employees, or you know, to really to really care about them, to ask how they're doing. To and it, I don't think it, it just takes intentionality uh, as much as time, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a ton of time, to, but if you're just intentional about showing that you care, and then that person like receives that and it changes them a little bit and sometimes a lot. So then they go home in a different place and they go home and they, they see their spouse and their kids and they're coming to it from a place where they've just been cared for. And guess what? It, it ripples, right? And then they show that to their spouse and and their kids and then, and they go out and interact with somebody else. And, and I, I just, know that the impact it has is so much greater than any of us, I think, really can fathom. Absolutely. So you gave some, I mean, you gave some words. How do we, practically speaking, like what can we put into practice as business owners um, to begin to develop those sorts of things, call them habits or disciplines or that sort of culture in our entities in our in our businesses one of the most powerful transformational processes that people can have is to practice what's called renewing the mind um certainly it goes back to that time to think thing but you know if you can have some sort of trigger uh some sort of reminder when you have interactions with people um i've heard examples for uh, instance of um, suggesting that that uh, every person you run into imagine that they have MMFI printed on their forehead which is which means make me feel important um, 
or somehow have a have a trigger, a visual trigger to mm-hmm. remind you, a sign over the door or on your computer or something that just reminds you again, uh, people matter or this conversation has consequences. I mean, something as simple as that, where you th- you think in terms not just of what am I going to get out of this moment, but what are the long-term consequences of taking a little bit of extra time to listen or to encourage someone uh, or to think about the choices that you're making today and how that's going to serve you. Uh, every time you you send an email, every time you text someone, every time you answer the phone or have a conversation or deal with a client or a customer, every time you make a sale, this has consequences. They can be bad consequences they can be, they, or they can be good consequences. Um, it all depends on how you approach that engagement. But the key to that... <laughs> that's, that's something I tell my 15-year-old. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, the key to that is is finding a system, a way to renew your mind, to remember that when you're in the moment. Because a lot of times we get distracted, we get, you know, uh, we get stressed, we get other things on our minds. <clears throat> so somehow, if you can create a system or a discipline for keeping that front and center mentally, it affects your emotions when you do that, it affects your conversations, it affects so many other choices that you make good words um so as we visited and i got to to just learn more about you and your heart today it makes me even more excited for the book that's coming out um are you doing any sort of a um when when the the actual book comes out are you going to be doing a book tour what what how do we get our hands on it etc etc it's available for pre-order on Amazon now. You you got to do you got to get real creative with Amazon because life vesting is not a word, so they try to turn the search into life casting. <laughs> but it's available uh, in advance, uh, pre-pub, <laughs> not Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Books of Million. It's all on their site and available. They can purchase them today. However, for your listeners, I wanted to make a special offer, and that is. Uh, normally, the, the retail price on the book is seventeen ninety nine. If they would like a signed copy in advance, all they have to do is lifevesting.com, and I will personally sign and send you a copy of the book for $15, but I, and I'll take care of the shipping. Send you an email, andy at lifevesting.com. Yes. <clears throat> And this is the first time I have simple. made yes, and this is the first time I have made this offer to anyone. So Todd, you are the first your listeners are the first people to to get this. I don't know when this is gonna air, but hey, I've 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 got some advanced copies and as long as I have them and, and they're up for that, you're welcome to them. Well, on behalf of the listeners and myself, super grateful for that and, and honored to be the first. And yeah, and so thankful for you to to just to be here with us today and sharing your wisdom. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, you gave us an email, Andy at lifevesting.com. Any place else, if a listener wants to get a hold of you, just go there. Any any other links you'd like to share or just hang that one up? They can the, go to the, the website. Receipt. You can go to the website, but it'll also um, just take you right back to the same email address. 
but lifevesting.com is uh, my coaching website. <clears throat> and uh, if someone would like to explore other ways that I can encourage or help, teaching, uh, training this material, uh, creating a coaching group around life vesting. That's one of the things we'll be rolling out in the fall. Um, and uh, if you'd like to gather together with a group of like-minded people uh, and would like information about that, send me an email. Let me know you're interested because we will be starting a couple of groups uh, that give you the opportunity. It's an eight-week study, uh, about a 10 weeks in all when, once we get the group put together. And uh, <clears throat> it gives you the opportunity to really dig deep into where you are in your life right now and where and, and it gives you permission to dream again, where you want your life to go. And uh, so, and then how do you get there? That's the fun part. So, uh, but yeah, if they're interested in that, reach out to me. Uh, email is probably the simplest thing, andy at lifevesting.com. You can go to the website, uh, click on the link there and it'll, it'll take you right back to the email again. But uh, would love to have those conversations with you. Happy to schedule a 15-minute free conversation for somebody that's kind of at a crossroads and wants to figure out, uh, you know, which way to go life-wise, leadership-wise, professionally, uh, and how I may be able to help there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andy. As you were sharing that and talking about where they're at in life and, and what resonated was, it's, I'll call it permission, but permission to dream again and so i can't wait to see this book i just i just know from our visit that it's going to be a gift to so many and so listeners engage with this get the book engage um put a group together uh put a group together and and do the the eight week uh deep dive in it reach out to andy get his input his help whatever if there's anything i can do of course uh reach out to to me here uh, or Todd at CoachToddHalls.com. I think you all know that. But anyhow, Andy, I just want to say thank you so much. This has truly been uh, a pleasure, and I am so grateful for the gift of your time. Uh, so thank you. Uh, listeners, as always, thank you. I am forever grateful for you uh, and appreciate your time and listening. Uh, please remember, whatever big dreams you have, whatever God has put on your heart, you can. Until next time, everybody, peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.